Hello and welcome to Watermark's Church Leadership Podcast, a conversation with church leaders for church leaders. I'm your host, Adam Tarno, joined as always by my co-host, John McGee. John, why don't you let the audience know what we got in store today? Hey, Adam. So we just recorded a episode with Bron Brown, uh, one of the funniest human beings I think you and I have ever met. Yes. Uh, he's so great. Uh, and Bron was a youth pastor for 26 years. 26 years was really which amazing. Which is, I think, in the Guinness Book of World Records. <laughs> Probably, yes. We, yeah. should, we should call to confirm. Um, so he was nine years somewhere else, and then uh, 17 years at Watermark. 17 years. So he was our very first student pastor. And so we heard him kind of give a talk at um, our staff retreat yeah. this year, just about longevity and, and things like that. Braun just transitioned this year on staff from um, being the director of students to um, the directors of, of singles and, and kind of um, uh, single parent families. And he also works with our um, institute. And so we, he made this this move, and uh, we just asked him to kind of reflect back on, you know, how does somebody do something for 17 years? What are the lessons learned? And so uh, he's going to share with you. Uh, what he shared uh, with us. All right, well, check out this interview, and you're definitely going to want to listen to the end of this because you're going to hear a great story about the payoff of being able to stick around and and, uh, apply these principles he's talking about with longevity and ministry. Brown Brown, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here, man. You look like a pro. You've done this before. He's got a background. Radio, radio. TV, film from the Harvard of the Midwest, Oklahoma City University. You guys have probably heard of it. Do you have a uh, radio voice? I do. I had this guy named Mark Shannon from KJ103. He was giving away $103 every week. He would do that. And that was my that was your stand. prank call voice and radio voice. I love That's it. so funny. Very efficient. Well, it's going to be, uh, <laughs> yeah, if you're around Braun, you laugh a lot. And so I assume we will uh, today. But um, so I'm excited for you know, the listeners to hear just about your journey, Braun. Um, you know, 17 years uh, in, in a youth ministry role is pretty unheard of these days. Um, and uh, man, it was really fun when you made that staff transition from that role to your your current role, being in the room, being celebrated. We'll, we'll probably talk about that at the end. Mm. Uh, but it was it was an amazing. Um, this is your life kind of moment. All the fruit of uh, your ministry was so fun to be a part of. So I can't wait uh, for the audience to hear kind of how you got there and uh, some of the steps you took along the way. Yeah. So uh, we are going to ask Braun, or we asked him at staff retreat, really, yeah. to share some principles of longevity in ministry. And so I remember we were sitting there at a staff retreat, heard what he had to say. It was fantastic. Said, let's get him on the podcast to talk about this. So you've just got five little principles and we'll just use this as our as our uh, guide as we go and, and talk through these. So let's just jump right in. So your first principle for longevity in ministry is this, is just to stick around. So what, what do you mean by that? Yeah. It's a little really, obvious, but... Really uh, deep, brother. You're going to find Unpack all that. of my points are really obvious. That's about <laughs> as deep as it goes. Yeah. So stick around. I uh, started in ministry in Conway, Arkansas, a little town just outside of Little Rock, and got to stay there for nine years. And uh, it was a it was a great nine years. And what I remember about that time is that people, uh, the, guy, the other guys in student ministry were leaving quickly. They were leaving after a couple of years. And so by the time I'm four, five, six years in, there's no one left in Conway that was doing student ministry when mm-hmm. I started. Yeah. And there were 120 churches in that town. Wow. So I don't know how many student ministers exactly, but... So I remember just thinking, if you stay around, if you stick around, that's a lot of the battle. And so 
Um, I would just encourage folks to be, when it comes to decisions about ministry and whether to change positions, be really prayerful, be careful with hasty decisions, be careful not to do it on a really long week where you're at the, on Friday when you're worn out and you, or you just finished a really hard retreat and some parent just lit you up, you know, talking to you about how they were so frustrated with you for yeah. how the student ministry is going. Uh, just to stick around because it really is a lot of the battle because uh, it's a developer's game. Mm. Uh, ministry is to stay and see what God will do. And I just thought, man, I'd, I would have missed out on a lot of great opportunities to see how the Lord worked if I'd have left after three years or six years. I remember thinking uh, at certain times in ministry, man, I'm so glad I didn't leave because I got to see what God did and then what he did in my heart too. Yeah. Well, as people are listening and they will go, well, of course you wouldn't want to leave Watermark Student Ministries. I mean, Look at how amazing it is, uh, but I I can remember when you came, uh, you left an amazing uh, ministry. Yeah. Um, it was a little less uh, than that when you got here. You want to talk about yeah. your kind of humble beginnings there? Yeah, I uh, I came into our student ministry here. I left a ministry of about four hundred fifty students, and uh, loved to be in there. Loved small town, but then the Lord began to wake in my heart for the local church. And so I came to Watermark, and Watermark wasn't certainly as what it is now. It was a lot smaller. And I remember I had seven leaders, and I went to these seven leaders and presented this vision, and half of them left. <laughs> and I was like, that's a great start. Yeah. And then we had uh, our one of our fall large group meetings. So we were having our Sunday night, and uh, we're having all the students come over. And that night I got there, and we had four students show up. Oh, my goodness. And uh, so it was hard to do skits and the worship <laughs> band and all that. It was like, hey, let's just go eat. And that's what we did. And I remember going to Todd, and I said, hey, Todd, we're, we're in the momentum of the fall, man. I want to tell you how great things are going. <laughs> At our high school meeting, we had four kids there. And I remember Todd looking at me, he goes, so? And I said, no, four Maybe you don't. I held up my four fingers. Oh, four kids. Todd, that was the big group meeting. Yeah. And I just remember him saying, hey, man, we, we believe you're the guy. Stick around. This is going to take time. And it's what I knew to be true already, but it was so great for me to be entrusted. And so Todd and our leadership really helped me to further this idea of sticking around. Um, and yeah, I remember a, a high school retreat where we had nine girls and two guys. That was our large high school retreat. Yeah. And those nine or those two guys were so excited because there were nine, nine girls, girls there. Yeah. That was not a bad retreat for them. <laughs> for us, it was a little bit lame. And uh, so things took a while to, to grow. It's a little bigger than, you know, 40 students or whatever it was when we started. And so yeah. why, why do you think there is such a temptation to not stick around? I mean, I think obviously we know about our culture, everything's so instant. If, if anything is hard, it just seems like, oh, we'll move on. And so it really, I mean, this is an obvious principle, but it is pretty counterintuitive in the culture, even in the church culture, that, hey, don't don't stick around too long because there may be something else that you're going to miss. Don't pass up any opportunity. Yeah. I think you said it kind of in your question there. People will look at other things. You you are constantly going to be seeing if the grass is greener someplace else. Yeah. And you're going to be tempted to think, if I could just do this quickly, you want the quick response. And what you don't realize is if you leave that place, all the relational capital you built is going to go away. You're going to have to start over. And then everything that you've built, uh, other things you're going to see as you go to other places, you're going to go, man, the same problems will go with you. Yep. And the relational capital that you built will go away. So I've, I've thought more this question is, what would I change about here 
then what would I go to someplace else? That's really good. Say that again. So good. So what would I change about here is a better question. So as you're thinking through your ministry, don't always go, man, is there something else out, out there and look around? Instead, go, what would I change about here and lead up and talk with your leadership and say, hey, could we change this? Maybe this one thing. I wouldn't try to overwhelm them with 10 things you want to do. Yeah. But if you would talk to them about one or two things and say... Hey, could we change this? This is one thing that would really encourage me and my staff team. Yeah. And we did that along the way. And I think it really blessed our team and our, our ministry. I love it. And so one of the things I think a byproduct of you being faithful, uh, Braun, and you sticking around is so has your team. Yeah. Uh, really. And so yeah. Braun has got, you know, where well, he left this uh, student ministry team that you know, got there as you hired them and they're, they're running the, the place now. They t- took uh, over and it's gotten better really quickly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they, but there was a sense of uh, like, you know, hey man, and, and we always say around here, if God's calling you or you should go like, boy, don't look back, you know, yeah. you, you need right. to go. That would be disobedient to stay here and don't let us put that on you. Um, but by you being faithful, you know, all the guys that were under you kind of looked around and said, oh, okay, this is what you do. Like to, to be, you know, quote unquote successful, uh, first and foremost is to be faithful and so you discipled these guys who are incredibly gifted and they've stuck around and they've got all that relational capital now and really, really effective pastors and shepherds because they watched you uh, do it. And so if you're thinking about, you know, in your own ministry about moving around or moving up and, um, you know, moving to more, if you're supposed to, you should. But one of the really cool byproducts is that you communicate to everybody else, like, I'm in this with you. And um, and you can stick around, and sometimes you know one plus one can equal three if you've got a relational relational capital and chemistry and some history there. It can be really really fun to watch. Which you know we're in ministry, you're in the business of relationships. That's what we do. And so I don't even know if we really have mentioned relational capital on the podcast mm-hmm. before. And that it is it is like I'm hearing that and I'm going that's exactly it. And we need to place a lot of value on that. The depth of relationships that you can develop by just sticking around is worth so much. And that's where ministry is different than uh, maybe some of the marketplace roles that are out there where you're just trying to get experience, experience, experience. We're here. The experience really comes in the depth of relationships, not just in the uh, the different activities or things that you can put on your resume. So yeah. so I hear you saying you're going to ask me back next week to talk about relational capital, and I don't know if I can... That's right. You're going to have to come right. back. You're going to have to come back. All right. So I Just like kidding. that first principle. Stick around. Second one is this, is to uh, pass out ministry opportunities. Why don't you talk about that one and how that helped you stay in ministry for the long haul? Yeah. And in all the places that I've been, both in, in parachurch and in the church, and now I'm starting a new ministry here or working with a new ministry with single adults... Every time I think about ministry, I go, I want to build a team of pastors and I want them to really have ownership with me. I want them to feel like a family and I want them to say, hey, what you're doing really matters. And so when I think about leadership, I, when I think about investing in leaders, when you really do a good job with this, leaders do become pastors and then leaders will recruit like-hearted leaders. So you'll get them to start, you know, being a catalyst to bring in other folks who will say, hey, this is what I love about it. And they're drawn to it for the right reasons. And then you'll find that leaders will stay. They'll stick around on your team. One of our favorite things we used to talk about with student ministry, and I hope this is true now in single adults, is that our leaders would stay with the same group of kids 
for seven years and 70% plus of our leaders would stay all seven years. That's amazing. And I don't think it was by chance. I think it was by, we kept investing, building vision, giving them, you know, talking about the stories that God was doing in our ministry and building that vision. And I'll tell you this, us staying there yes. also had a glue to it. And, and it so was, really your first principle, stick around, you were calling volunteers and leaders to do that as well. So, doing what he was doing. Yeah. Yes. Hang out with a sixth grade. Yeah. And it's not just sixth grade. I want you to watch them all the way through to graduation. Had any other ministries been doing that kind of model? Did anybody look at you and go, that's the worst idea we've ever heard to ask <laughs> people to serve for six years? Or there were, there were other ministries. The ministry that I left was, was modeled like okay, that. Good. But but there were people, even in our own church, what was really funny is when uh, volunteers would talk with other ministry areas, those leaders would say, hey, you could go do students if you want to give seven years. <laughs> Who <laughs> yes. wants to do that? But you can come with us for a year. And I remember laughing about that, thinking, really, as we gave them something that was really a, a strong calling, a, a big vision, they uh, they would stick around for a longer time. And so it worked to our advantage. It also kept people who maybe didn't need to be there, if they weren't really, if their heart wasn't in it, if they were in ministry for the wrong reasons, yeah. they weren't going to stick around and lead for that long. And so it was a good protection for us That's too. Good. Sometimes, yeah, it's helpful just to have, you don't need the bar to be so, so high that people can't, no one can get over it, but yeah. um, a little bit of a bar is a good thing. Yeah. It weeds out some of the folks that uh, might be there for the wrong reason. Yeah, they but, didn't have to run like a four four forty or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. We didn't. We didn't call <laughs> we them that. the combine yeah. there. Um, <laughs> you know, and so you know, those that are listening, that um, they don't have the context that, that Adam and I do. That you know, you, usually youth ministry is uh, built around a personality. Yeah. You know, and Bronze got one, and he is funny, and he is engaging, and um, and people want to be uh, under him, near him, around him, and I. I just marveled, Braun, watching you. I thought, you know, if I had your gifts, I think I would have been the show. I would have just mm -hmm. built it around me. And I marveled at how you played the long game. You stuck mm -hmm. around, you called others to, and you really did give ministry away. And um, which, you know, at, at that time, uh, you didn't have to. Um, and now, given the scale, it was critical that you did. Like it, that that thing right there, um, kind of that that mindset allowed this thing to scale because you couldn't, you know, be in, you know, 200 living rooms with kids, uh, but you could pastor some pastors and shepherd some shepherds who have done a really fantastic job. And so it's very counterintuitive in a lot of youth ministry. Um, and it's been really, really fun. And so just our kids have benefited from that. Yeah. My, my six-year-old you know, son who was, you know, just a goofy six-year-old, sixth grader, I'm sorry, at, at the time, um, had his little small group leader, Connor, who, mm -hmm. uh, when he graduated, was there and gave him a charge to go off, and he has kept up with um, since. And um, that wouldn't happen in most, most mm -hmm. youth ministries. And so uh, I love it, brother. It's really fun the way you've uh, encouraged other people to pastor. What I like about this principle is it helps us avoid burnout which is one of the, you know, one of the number one reasons that pastors and, and church leaders get out of the game is that they're so excited about the ministry, they want to do it all themselves. And I would imagine you probably felt a temptation when there's only four people that show up, four students that show up. What, did you struggle to call, to try to still recruit leaders, yeah. you know, to go, I don't know if this thing's going to take off or not. And, uh, and that you still, like, like John said, took the long view of this, of going, for my own good, I can't do everything. So I'm going to continue to recruit leaders and, and we're going to just trust that the Lord's going to be faithful and give us more students to minister to. Yeah, I think so. I think I can remember a ski trip we went on where we had 20 students and 10 leaders. <laughs> and this leader looked at me and she said, what do you do when you have 20 kids and 10 leaders? I said, you just enjoy it. 
Yeah. It'll never be like this again. And so I was giving a, giving them a vision of what could be. And I really believed it was going to grow. I believed, and some of that wasn't my uh, great discernment. It was, our church was young. Yes. Our average age of our church was 31 or 32, unless you were having kids in high school, which we didn't recommend. <laughs> you know, it, it was going to grow into something yeah. and we saw it coming. Uh, but we wanted them to enjoy all the years along the journey and not think that this was success if this number of kids came be faithful the ones that uh, the Lord puts in front of us, invest in them, disciple them. And uh, it was amazing to watch how the Lord grew us in, in, in numbers with students and also grew our team right along with it. Well, that's how you stay in it for 20 years. So you stick around, you pass out ministry opportunities. Third principle is this, is to remember the Lord. So once once again, again, very obvious. But, where but where is he coming this. up with these ideas? <laughs> this guy's incredible. Uh, How no, are we forty episodes in and just now getting this? <laughs> we just discovered the insight, guys. Gold. I don't know. We don't have enough time. Is this thing three hours? I'm <laughs> just kidding. So uh, remember the Lord is simply it's it's important for us to remember why we got in ministry, and I can get caught up in uh, a lot of things. I can get caught up in. Uh, the numbers, I can get caught up in the programs and the the things that we're doing. And what I've had to remember all along is, Lord, I'm doing this because I love you. And I would, I just pray that you'd remind me of that. If I do it for other reasons, for the approval of man, for numbers, for platforms, then I'm not going to last. I'm going to burn out. I'm going to do it for the wrong reasons. And so just the, the treasure that the Lord is, that it's not about, I, there's a great line from Coleman's book, A Master Plan of Evangelism, where he said, it's just not about impressing the crowd. It's, it's ushering in the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And I want to, I've always been a guy that wanted to impress the crowd. I was a performer all my life in sports and fun and music, all this kind of different stuff. But what I realized is that, man, when I'm really doing this for the Lord, when my, my relationship with him, when I'm abiding with him, the ministry is a lot easier and ministry is a joy. When I'm not, it becomes stressful. I become impatient and I start looking at all the wrong places. I love it. Yeah. And that, that's something that's marked you, brother. I mean, I, as I think about uh, that 17 year run, um, I, I can't remember a time that, you know, I, I had any conversation of length that you just didn't bring up, hey, this is what God's teaching me or what God's reminding me of, or I'm so encouraged in the scriptures. And mm-hmm. while, while you were, you know, moving and doing a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. uh, it was really clear that that wasn't, um, you know, a nice add-on uh, mm-hmm. to your ministry. That was uh, where all of it was birthed out of. That was kind mm-hmm. of the, uh, um, you know, the platform that which um, you had anything to offer anybody. And um, that was true. And so I, I yeah. think that's part of why uh, why you made it as long as you did um, is because you just tended to your own soul and uh, you kept so. the main thing, the main thing, and it was really, really fun to watch. Still is. I mean, you're yeah. not you're not done. You're talking about like past tense. <laughs> yeah. Remember Ron Brown when he was <laughs> hasn't spent time with the Lord in three three months. Uh, this is the, the, this is one thought that I used to yeah. think about a lot. Is that min- I always just would remind myself, I'm not a gift to ministry. Mis- ministry is a gift to me. That's huge. And it when I thought that so good. Uh, that's when I got in trouble yeah. is what I thought all of a sudden I started becoming about me and, and all the guys that have been under me through the years or teams that I've led, I just had to remind them of that because I wanted them to believe that I can't believe I get to do this. That's what I wanted them yeah. to think about the job as we call it. It's really a ministry opportunity that they would go, man, can you believe I get to do this and I get paid to do this? And what a, what a gift from the Lord. So what were some indications to you when you were starting to get off base on this? Like just, and I know this is going to be highly personal for you. It's not uh, the way you would, some of the indicators for you are maybe not going to be blanket statements for Mm -hmm. everybody, but just for yourself, how did you know when you were starting to not remember the Lord? 
Yeah, I, I could see it in a couple of ways. One, I would be really critical of other people. Okay. And that's something that, yeah. that uh, the thing that I would find myself being overly critical and I would always go, okay, what's going on in my heart with that? And I would, then I'd also start to envy other positions or other people, I'd start to convince myself that, hey, the way they have it is better. Or I'd, I would be, I learned early on that my personality is drawn to pride of position. Okay. I'm just, that's just kind of in my profile. And so as I heard that, I went, man, I've got to be on guard. I got to be watchful. I got to be sober minded when it comes to positional things and wait for the Lord if that's what he has. If he doesn't stay where I am, be fully in. And uh, so I had to tell myself that a lot. And, um, those were two, when I saw those signs, I would just go, man, I got to, and then to slow down, I had to have a rhythm to my weeks where I would have a little bit of a Sabbath rhythm and just say, boy, if I go meeting to meeting to meeting every day, I'm in trouble and uh, my heart will not, uh, it'll make my heart sick. That's really what will happen. And so that has been helpful to remind myself of that every little bit. It's fascinating, Bron, that you won't remember this, but we had a conversation about 10 years ago, and I asked you something very, very similar to Adam, and you answered almost verbatim. Yeah. Um, that's crazy. So, yeah. uh, which is to say, you know yourself, yeah. and uh, you know your ditches, mm. and uh, you know you know what uh, what the warning lights look like and what to do about it. That's fascinating. And, and I love that line. I'm going to see if I can repeat it back the exact same way, which was that ministry is a gift to me. I'm not a gift to ministry. Right. Which is like the shadow side of encouraging people. And this is good for us to think about as leaders, encouraging younger leaders, that if there's sometimes our encouragement of them could maybe... Uh, you know, simply said, just go to their head, where they start to think, you know what, the church is lucky to have me, or, I, you know, this ministry is lucky to have me, and to continue to encourage, but also remind people of the gift and, and the uh, privilege that it is to minister to others. That's fantastic. Yeah. I, really, yeah. I, I really like that. Okay, so stick around, pass out ministry opportunities, remember the Lord, and uh, your fourth one is this, is expand the vision. What do you mean by that? Yeah, this will this will be quick. I I, uh, as I think about teams, I always want to think about giving them a mountain worth climbing. I think we've underestimated what people are willing to do Mm. if their heart is connected. And so when we under challenge them, they usually last about nine weeks or nine months or a year. And when we give them something, we say, hey, we're going to ask you to be open to the idea of sticking around. This is what we did with leaders, sticking around for seven years. Would you be open to that? We're not saying you have to. We're not going to make you sign in blood, but we are uh, We are going to ask you to consider that. And when we did, people were open to the idea and began uh, to be open, like we said, to willing to do it. Yeah. So when they get to their ninth grade year, so they've had three years of sixth, seventh, and eighth, and you guys know, junior high, small God's groups. gift to the world, <laughs> sixth, seventh, and eighth. I mean, <laughs> junior high, small groups were tough. Yeah. But what would happen is because we kept reinforcing that vision, when they got to ninth grade and we said, hey, do you want to continue on in high school? It was a non-conversation. Wow. We would get responses like, are you kidding me? I'm just getting started. I'm just getting to know the families. I'm starting to uh, really un- see these guys walk with the Lord. These girls walk with the Lord. And I'm excited about investing more in them. It's awesome. Um, yeah, I think it's interesting, you know, we, when you think about sticking around, um, a lot of times you really do think about kind of having this lowest common denominator of uh, a vision or of the ask. And um, part of part of the reason I think people stuck around uh, was because you made a significant ask of them. Yeah. You know, that, that kind of person wanted to uh, stick around. And I think, you know, your team, you're always asking them, hey, we can... And we can show up and do the same thing year after year, and no one's going to be mad. We'll probably get lots of pats on the back, but uh, what could we do next? And so Mm -hmm. some of the innovation that started 
um, you know, under your leadership is about to come to fruition, I think will bless you know, the country, the world, uh, mm-hmm. some of the things. Uh, no one asked you guys to do that. You just kind of said, what, what else do we have in us? And uh, let's expand the vision. And um, so our church has benefited from it. I think some of the things that uh, you guys have been working on as we begin to export those are going to have a really, really, really profound impact mm-hmm. on the church, and I'm excited about it. And awesome. the big vision is not just to keep the volunteers engaged. Oh. Uh, what, I, what, I'm really, what I'm learning from you, even in the middle of this conversation, Braun, is this, is that the big, the big vision keeps the the main leader engaged too. You know, it, it's mm-hmm. like we still have a long way to go. So I'm still motivated yeah. to stay in this and to keep working at it because I know we're not where we want to be. We're not where we were, but we're not also we're also not where we want to be. And I think I look to you, John, because I think about with the premarital ministry and that you guys wanted to have ten percent of the people getting uh, married in Dallas County to go through merge, which is like, that's a huge vision, and, and it's great. It keeps the leaders engaged, and it also keeps you engaged uh, and, and those on that team engaged with all that. So where did you learn that? I mean, can you think back to other mentors or people that you saw that just said, hey, like these small ideas are great for for a couple of months, but I need big ideas, not only to keep my volunteers engaged, but to keep myself engaged in this? Yeah, you know, I, I think what was funny is um, when I was in a student in high school, I had this youth pastor that invested in me. And I saw, I think I began to see what, um, if we're all in, if there's a team of people that are in, uh, that it can, this guy was a, 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 not really a great discipler of me, but relationally poured into me. And he had a team of college guys that were, that he had convinced to come help. And I remember looking up to them and thinking, man, I want to be like them. Mm -hmm. I, I saw this picture. And so in a weird way, I kind of saw early on that he was investing in those guys and they were investing in me and it it worked. Yeah. And when people feel like there's a ministry within the ministry that happens, when they see that, they go, hey, I'm not only pouring out, but I'm being poured into and it's just fun to serve here. You don't have a hard time convincing them to stick around. Yeah. And then the fruit of staying around begins to that, Yeah, it all to fits together happen. with all that. Yeah. All right, so stick around, pass out ministry opportunities, remember the Lord, expand the vision. The last one is this, is to expect challenges. Yeah, and I I think this is the one that, um, it's a little bit like parenting. I thought about this as, I used to think about parenting as, I hope nothing you know, really bad happens this week or challenging. And then I realized, Hey, what is this week's challenge going to be? Going to be, should yeah. be the, should be the right way to think about it. And when I did, I was more ready to respond That's in a Christ-like good. way. Yeah. And with ministry, it's the same way. You ought to expect that challenges are coming uh, and, and not be thrown off by that. And so it's the same way. What is the challenges or what are the challenges that we're going to face this week? And how are we going to respond in a calm, consistent way? How are we going to, how am I going to help others on my team respond that way. And just remember that, uh, remember where we came from. Hey, God, it takes time to build stuff. Yeah. And, and so challenges are just part of it. Yeah. And if we get knocked off by those, that's another reason why guys, ministry is a thankless job. Hmm. Many guys will go, man, I don't feel like people are in junior high ministry. No junior high kid's going to come up to you and say, pastor, thank you for that. That was one wonderful message. Yes. And I can't wait to hear another, you know, uh, exposition of the scripture again. You know, they're not going to do that. <laughs> and, and so I just didn't expect that. And then I also expected that parents 
who were struggling with their kids. Maybe we're, I, I know what it's like now a lot better. Now that I have my kids, I expect that, hey, they may be in a really hard season with their kids yeah. and they may come and just be hurting and they may, may want to take it out on us a little bit and we need to listen and we need to help them and have more of an empathy towards them than a disdain towards, I can't believe these guys aren't thinking me. And, and really it comes back to, it's not about me. And so challenges are going to come. And here's the other thing about challenges. They grow me. They grow our team. They grow us. They help us get better. And I'm thankful for challenges as much as I don't look forward to them many times. If I look back, I'll think those challenges in ministry were the things that grew us the most, both both personally and our teams. So, so good. good so good. The things we've talked about before, you know, on the podcast, Adam, just about a leader's job is just to stay grounded, centered, uh, not get wound up emotionally, be a stress de-amplifier yeah. in those situations, which the great leaders do. And uh, one of the ways you do that is just expect it. You yeah. know, uh, The sun is going to come up and go down every day, and there are going to be problems. And so if that's the expectation, then you can just kind of s- stay in those. Uh, you don't have to freak out. You don't have to stress out the people that are around you. They can have confidence as they look to you. And you can say, guys, I don't, you know, I don't have all the answers, but we'll just keep taking the next wise step, and we're going to figure this one out. We all always have. And somehow we're going to, we're going to grow, you know, Mm -hmm. we're in the weight room and uh, you just added a a little more weight to the bar. It's going to be hard this time, but if we keep doing it, this, this will become uh, easy. This will be the new normal. And there's no, there's no shortcut. There's no way around that. We want to be great leaders. And if to do that, you're going to have to, you know, pass through uh, some Mm -hmm. of these challenges. That is the path. And so, um, yeah. And especially dealing with students and families, yeah. uh, you're going to have a lot of it in yeah. your inbox or on your voicemail or uh, just kind of in your orb all the time. It's That's really great. Good. Well, these five principles for longevity are fantastic. So stick around, pass out ministry opportunities, remember the Lord, expand the vision, and expect challenges. So we're about to blow our podcast listeners' mind right now because if those of you that have been They better buckle up for this next statement. This spells an acronym. And the you, think acronym it's been, you think it's been profound up to this point? Up to this point, just wait, because <laughs> the acronym is SPREE. Yes, which, Adam, thank you for uh, tossing that to me in the radio business. We call it a toss. Um, Yes, Spree (laughs) is America's favorite candy. I I mean, we can maybe argue about that. It's better than Sweet Tarts. Because that little candy Not outside... Th- now, the bar is very low. Right? <laughs> I know, but, like, I know I, but that's my bar. Okay. So it's better than Sweet Tart. It's better than bottle caps to date myself yes. a little bit. Those weren't bottle very good. Bottle caps were awesome. Okay. But paper. if you are on a road trip and you have a roll of Spree, you're set for a long period of time. Yes. Okay, I just wanted to say that. So, <laughs> wow. And a chaser that would be great is a Caramello, oh, which is a little known they candy bar. They don't make those. They make them, guys. Trust me. Because you're the one person buying them. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I'm the only guy. I made a bet one time with a guy for a Caramello, and he couldn't find one yeah. to pay off the bet. So, but those yeah, Spree. definitely got to be a Cracker Barrel. They still have Caramellos right. over there. Yeah, right? of course. That little, that little Do store. you remember, uh, you remember uh, my bride being frustrated with you at Spree's? She's still mad, I think. How, how could you possibly get in conflict over Spree? Well, we're in church, and I'm sitting by John, and, and I, I was like a 12-year-old there, and I've, I've got my pack of Spree, and I'm, I'm slipping them to John. And, and John is taking them. He had no willpower back then. Now he's a machine. But back then, he didn't. And Pam rebuked me. She's like, would you quit handing him Spree? And I was like, sorry, Pam. I was like, this is America's favorite candy. Why would he not want these? And uh, yeah, she got mad at me about that. And I think she's over it now. Yes. This the was... fact that you're passing sprees and that Pam said something to you, those two things are true. That's the other, that's a bonus principle for longevity and ministry. Pass your friend a spree. Is, 
Eat a lot of spree. <laughs> That's right. Uh, well, so, here's... Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I was just going to say, John, close it out because you have this great story oh, of like, here, if you do all this, where, what's the fruit? And yeah, you got to see here, some of the fruit. Here's the payoff. So uh, as Braun made that staff transition from student ministry to, um, you know, single adults, um, there was a big, you know, kind of surprise party. So Braun and Angie walk in and it was kind of like a, this is your life kind of thing. And... Um, so in the room, and it was an invite only, um, it didn't open it up to everybody, but it's in uh, a loft, which is probably our, you know, second or third biggest space on our campus, packed out, completely packed out, no no other place uh, to sit. And in the room are uh, some parents, um, you know, of kids that you had impacted, Braun, and um, there were uh, all the small group leaders there, your staff. And then uh, this is pretty neat. Some of the kids that were in your small group. So, so Bron wasn't just uh, a coach; he was a player coach mm-hmm. as well. So he had when he was calling all these guys to invest in, in people for seven years, uh, he did it himself. And so he had, you know, a goofy group of sixth grade boys uh, who now at this point like were articulate, gifted, godly men, and they stood up and talked about their time with with Bron Brown. And it was good as it, you know any sermon you're going to hear. Yeah. Um, and the parents got up and talked about the impact that um, you know that Braun had had, and uh, some of the some of the leaders did. And then, you know, Braun just sat there. The right, you know, he was the the guest of honor that night, and his staff that he had trained, that he had invested in, ran the whole thing. And there was a real sense in the room, like um, we're going to be just fine yeah. without Braun. Mm-hmm. And you know, Todd says a lot that uh, your success is me- measured by your successors. And uh, and I just sat in that room, brother, and I thought, boy, that is a successful pastor and minister. Mm-hmm. This ministry will not miss a beat. He's stepping out, which is making room for the gifts of the guys that he uh, and gals that he invested in. And uh, I think our best days are ahead, which is a credit to you, not uh, you know, not in any way uh, a slight. That's uh, a feather in your cap. And I, I wished, I, you know, I was looking around going. Gosh, I wish we would have made this mandatory for all of our staff mm. who's on the front end of this journey to go stay at it, you know, if the Lord the Lord wills, because this is the payoff. Now, it's easy now to to go well, of course, but when you're in when you're in a room with four kids, um, and it's hard mm. and people are saying no to the vision, people are quitting. I don't know that you would have saw that, but man, I was just thinking for you, had you quit then anywhere along the way. What a miss uh, that would have been, and um, it was—it was just everything you uh, that's good, right, and healthy about ministry was on display um, in one time in that room. And um, and man, brother, it was really fun to see. And so, Bron, I, I just hold you in high regard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you, Ron. You have any final thoughts? Yeah, I think I think that night, what was so encouraging for me was to watch exactly what John said—to watch my staff. Uh, who I'd invested in. David Peniel, who's now the director of student ministries, had been with me 16 years. And what John said that I think the better days are ahead for us is true. He is a gifted guy. Uh, Another girl named Melissa Miller was also with me 16 years. She's now moved into our community ministry. Uh, but the other guys who were younger, it was it was time. This was the right time to go because these were guys who were very gifted, who needed to continue to exercise their leadership muscles. And so it was so it was so freeing to say and to know that it's been in good hands and that I could leave it and take on something else and begin to invest my time someplace else in ministry within our church. And so it is so fun to look over there and think they are in great 
hands. Yeah. And I so mean, really you don't grateful. get that after two years, right? Yeah. You don't have those kind of meetings with that much impact and just sticking around for 18 months. Yeah, people are just years. like making up stuff to say at yeah. two years, right? Yeah. Like we got to say something nice about this guy. Yeah. 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 You always answered your emails on time, man. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so That's what you get after two years when you leave. But, uh, but yeah, you have been an amazing example, Braun. It's been fun having you in the studio. Thanks for joining us today. All right. Thank you. If you have any questions or comments on today's episode or topics you'd like for us to consider for future episodes, feel free to contact us via email. We can be reached at clp at watermark.org. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you again next time.